Hi, my name is Stephen Mansfield, and this is your 15. The topic for this 15 is prosperity from a biblical perspective, and specifically, what is biblical prosperity? Now, listen, I know that this topic is one of the most controversial in Christian circles. It's also one of the issues about which people outside of the church, outside of Christianity, have most criticized modern Christians. Uh, people have taken the idea of prosperity, the biblical promises of prosperity, and have driven them to crazy extremes in our generation. Uh, I'm aware of that, and that is certainly not where we're going. But, but you know what? We glorify God by living in all of his promises and trying to receive everything he has for us so that we can be who we're called to be in the world. So we don't want to shy away from uh, any truth of the Bible because of extremes. In fact, the book of Ecclesiastes says the wise man avoids all extremes. And the reason, especially when it comes to doctrine, that, an ex that a doctrinal extreme should be avoided is that we not only have people who go off with the extreme, but then we have people who, out of fear of that extreme, retreat from a biblical truth entirely. So some folks now who are Christians won't even talk about biblical prosperity or live in those, those truths uh, because it's been driven to such extremes. I'll explain that in just a few minutes. But we're going to talk now about biblical prosperity. What is it? And then in future 15s, we'll talk about how you walk in it. What are the principles and the building blocks of it? The, the bottom line is that God in the scriptures does not just promise spiritual blessings, but he promises blessings in the material world, in the natural world, uh, in, our, in our financial and material lives. This is not something that Christians just made up. This is not something that was added to the Bible. This is the way that God has related to man from the very beginning of his dealings with man. In fact, uh, this is how God uh, tried to show his love to man by taking care of the things that were the dearest to man, the things that were closest to him, his natural world, his financial life, his care of his family. And so I understand that in our generation, as I've said, folks have made that about you know, Learjets and, and expensive cars and expensive suits and bling and all that kind of thing. But, but we just want to bring it back now to a biblical norm. And let me start by saying that the idea that living in covenant with God uh, would produce natural or material prosperity was God's idea. It was something he introduced. It's there all throughout the Old Testament as he cuts his covenants. That we use the word cut the covenant. That's technically how it was done. Makes a covenant with man. And it certainly is repeated in the New Testament. Uh, let me just give you an example. Uh, in Deuteronomy 8.18, as God is speaking to his people and is telling them the terms or the things that he will do uh, out of his covenant with them, out of his making an agreement with them that they'll be his people and he will take care of them. The Bible says in Deuteronomy 8.18, I will give you the power to get wealth, and so I will confirm my covenant with you. This is the, one of the earliest statements that God, as part of his covenant arrangement, his agreement with men with whom he was trying to restore to himself after the fall of man in the Garden of Eden, that God had his eye on issues of wealth and issues of material possessions. Uh, later, uh, in Deuteronomy 28, when God was telling them the terms of the covenant, what blessings and curses would come upon them, uh, he said this, and I'm going to lean over to read this. He said, all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you if you obey the voice of the Lord your God. Now listen to how natural and material these are. Uh, the blessed shall you be in the city and blessed shall you be in the field. 
Blessed shall be the fruit of your womb, and the fruit of your ground, and the fruit of your cattle, the increase of your herds, and the young of your flock. Blessed shall be your basket and your kneading bowl. Blessed shall you be when you come in, and blessed shall you be when you go out. Now, he was speaking to an agrarian people, a people who lived on the land that had cattle and fields and uh, things to tend of that nature and made their bread by kneading it in a bowl. And so he was speaking about their particular situation. A lot of this wouldn't mean anything to, to me. I don't have cattle. I don't have fields. But the principle was that God was taking care of people and blessing them and giving them abundance uh, in the things that, that, in a sense, produced for them and sustained their families and fed them. Again, I want to say this was God's idea. We don't have any record that a man thought this up and went to God and said, hey, will you give me some stuff? Nor do we have the idea anywhere uh, that man added this to the truth. This has been part of the record, not only in Christianity, but obviously in Judaism, uh, since the very beginning of, of, the, of that religion, the very beginning of God's dealings with men. So the issue here is not to overemphasize it. The issue is to say that it's just a normal part of God's dealings with men that God cares about the material, that God cares about the natural, that God cares about people having what they need, the food they need, the shelter they need, the abundance they need. They'll be blessed. They'll have abundance. And this, this has to be laid together with everything else that is said in the Old Testament. All throughout the Old Testament, if we're just keeping our focus there for the moment, all throughout the early days of God's dealing with the Jewish people, he always mentioned material prosperity for them. He always said, I'll bless you. I'll bless your fields. I'll bless your, I'll bless your wife's womb. I'll bless to be abundant, to have abundant children, to have abundant food. That was part of the blessing. It wasn't all there was. He would also promise his presence. He would also promise to give good name and give favor. Uh, he would promise to keep them from evil, things of that nature. But always in there, our God, our loving God, cared about our material lives. Uh, because he is a God who wants to take care of us, as it says in the New Testament, spirit, soul, and body. Well, it's also important, though, that up against all of the promises of financial and material well-being in the Old Testament, that we also consider some of the other things that God says about wealth. For example, uh, God is absolutely hard on the oppressive rich. In other words, we're not meant to love money. We're not meant to uh, seek to be wealthy in a selfish, craven sense, and we certainly are not to oppress others uh, with our wealth. In fact, the, the Old Testament prophets breathe absolute fire from God against the wealthy who are uncaring about their workers, who are uncaring about the poor, who do not use their wealth righteously. Uh, and so this is, this is absolutely critical. Now, Having said that, given some of the economic theories we've had in our society, I should tell you about Leviticus 19.3, which says, do not pervert justice, do not show partiality to the poor or favoritism to the rich. Either way, don't be partial to either one. So you understand that the, the biblical perspective is that God wants to take care of us materially, but that we need to use it righteously. We need to use wealth uh, in a way that helps other people and, and, and is gracious and righteous and, and is, as an extension of the character of God. At the same time, in our courts and our politics, we're not to favor either the rich or the poor. And as you are surely aware, all throughout our history and as human beings, we've had movements and economic systems that did one or the other. 
as I as I speak these words before this camera, there are people protesting against Wall Street all around the country because they believe that in our society the rich have been favored. In uh, other economic systems, the poor are favored and the rich are pulled down. But the Bible says, "Don't show favoritism to either one. Let God rule. Let God judge. Let God bless." Uh, and, and then, of course, one of the great things in the Old Testament as we're considering this issue of prosperity is that the Bible promises incredible prosperity for those who care for the poor. Uh, one of the great passages about this in the Old Testament is Isaiah 58. In Isaiah 58, we're told that if we will spend ourselves on behalf of the needy, if we will give ourselves and give of our wealth to the poor and the needy and we'll take care of those who are downtrodden and need, and we'll defend justice for the poor and so on. It says that we'll have abundance, that our healing will quickly appear, uh, that, that, that streets and towns will be restored, that, that, that we'll have powerful refreshing from God. He just promises everything for those who give themselves to the needy. So if we put all of that together, there's no way that you could arrive at kind of the extreme prosperity view that some people in our day have that righteousness is measured by how much you own, how much God, how much you are you you possess, how many material possessions you have. At the same time, we have to maintain a balance that there's no virtue in poverty. That God is not uh, God is not calling us to be poor out of some kind of misguided form of spirituality. That He wants to bless, that He wants to increase, and that He wants us to prosper so that we can help others. That's really one of the main reasons that he wants to give us wealth, uh, so that we can take care of our own needs, certainly, but help others. Now, all of that is what the Old Testament says, and we have to bring that balanced perspective into the New Testament as we read it, uh, because otherwise we won't have context. So, for example, in the New Testament, Philippians 4.19, one of the great passages says, And my God will meet all your needs, according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And my God will meet all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Now, again, you have to bring the Old Testament context to that passage, but you also have to bring the context of what's happening in Philippians. Uh, the Philippian church had, had just given a great big financial gift to Paul to support him while he was in prison. And so Paul is saying, since you're so generous, since you give so freely, my God is going to meet all of your needs. Well, that's just a restatement of the Old Testament truth, that the generous man prospers, uh, that those who give to the poor will receive in, in return, that there's sowing and there's reaping, all of those great biblical truths. So we can't just go to that one verse, as some do, and just simply say, hey, if I'm a Christian, all my needs are met, I'll be rich, that's what God wants to do. That's not how it works. And then there's a great passage of Scripture in 2 Corinthians 9 that's all about the law of giving and receiving and how God wants to bless us so that we'll have even more to give to other people. And it's a, it's a great passage of Scripture about that concept. What I want you to understand is that part of the Old Covenant, the Old Testament and the promises there, and then of course again in the New Testament, we are definitely promised prosperity. But it's prosperity defined as God taking care of us and then giving us more than we need so that we can then in turn take care of others. And what's happened in many countries, and I say particularly in, in my home country, the United States, uh, is that there's been a certain callousness about the poor and a certain belief that the poor are always poor uh, because they are somehow morally misguided. Well, the Bible makes it clear that people can be poor because of oppression. People can be poor because of lack of justice. 
uh, people can be poor because uh, those who God ordained to help them did not help them. So let's return to the core truth. Uh, the Bible promises prosperity, uh, a meeting of our needs for those who live in God. This was God's idea. This wasn't something that a TV preacher made up or, or, or somebody who was greedy made up. God loves us enough and is a God of our whole existence, our earthly bodily existence as well as our spiritual existence, that he wants to take care of us. He wants to fulfill his promises. He wants to give to us. And he not only wants to give to us in some sort of miraculously provided way, but he also wants to give us the power to get wealth. He wants us to teach us how to do business and how to do commerce and how to invest and how to buy and how to sell so that we prosper, so that we can help still others. It's not a case for capitalism unrestrained. It's just a statement that this is what God clearly is intending in the scriptures. And then there's the second layer that God intends for us to be generous because not only does the generous man prosper, but this is how we reflect the character of Jesus in the world. We give to people, we bless people, we take care of the poor. To use the Old Testament phrase that we'll return to in future 15s, uh, we are blessed in order to be a blessing. If, if you're watching this and you have an abundance of material possessions, please understand that God has allowed you to have that so that you, yes, can take care of your family and have your needs met, but also so that you can be a blessing to others and give things to others and care for the poor and the needy. In fact, if the words of Isaiah 58 are true, the more you take care of the needy, the more you'll prosper. That's the promise of God. So we do not measure righteousness by how much we own. We do not measure righteousness by how much we can, uh, we, we, we have vast wealth or how much we can show material possessions to the world. Righteousness is measured by our conformity to the nature and personality of Jesus and how much we please God by how we live. God has promised that if we will live in his ways and live in his will, that we will prosper, that we will have an abundance and that we will be able to take care of others and thus display his glory in the earth. And that's biblical prosperity. And I want to say one other thing too, and, and that is that I've, I've picked on people with jets or I've picked on people with cars or picked on people maybe with huge houses. You know, it's really not about any of those things. If, if a certain corporate leader needs a jet, fine. What we're really talking about is not what you own, but your vanity that is attached to it, your self-concept, the idea that somehow what you own is who you are. God cuts across all of that in scripture. What you own are tools to do the will of God in the earth. And so God wants you to have abundant tools if your character can handle it. And that's biblical prosperity. And that also is your 15.